Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. What I want to talk about this morning is what are we doing with the the most prized possession that God has given us in love in life. What what are we doing with that next big step that he's placed in front of us? Did you know that time is your most valuable possession that you own? Time is the most precious thing that you have. It's greater than your retirement plan. It's greater than your brand new car or your house or even your savings account. Why is time so valuable in life? Because once you give it away, you can never get it back. Now, pinmark that just for a moment. We're going to touch back on that in just a few minutes. Now, our walk with God is never designed or was never designed to be a one-time only decision, and then we're done. It was never created. God never designed us just to come to an altar and say, Lord, I give you my heart, and I give you my life. I ask you to come in, and the moment he comes into your life, it's all done. But yet, isn't that oftentimes exactly what we do as Christians? We come to an altar, and maybe you can even tell us the date. It was February the 7th, 1973, or it's April 15th, tax day, 1982, or whatever the day happened to be for you. You can remember the place. You can remember the time. You remember that life changed. But I ask you today, what are you doing with what God has placed in front of you? Have you allowed your life just to stop at that moment? And don't misunderstand me. I'm not discounting or discrediting that moment. That is the most important decision you will ever make in life. Giving your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, that is the greatest choice you'll ever make. Why? Because it changes not only your here and your now, but it changes your whole eternity. But the question is, what are we doing now that we have this heart change? Because the Bible says that the moment we give our heart and our life to Christ, we are a new creation. We're a a new person. That, That old lifestyle is gone. That old behavior is gone. And suddenly there's a rebirth of something new. What are we doing with that new life? We are called to serve one another. In the book, All In, pastor and author Mark Batterson said this, the church, corporate church, was never meant to be a noun. Oftentimes we say it, I go to church. It's a noun. It's a a place. It's an organization. It's, It's where we hang out. But church was never meant to be a noun. And when it turns into a noun, it becomes a turnoff. The church was meant to be a verb. Trek with me here. An action verb. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave the command to charge. 
He gave us the command to go into all the world. He gave us the command to raise up disciples. He gave us the command to be a light on the hillside. He gave us a command to change the world. And he's never sounded the retreats. So the question that begs to be asked is what are you doing with the charge that God has given you? Let that sink in just for a moment. What are you doing with this charge to go into all the world? To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to make an impact on the world around you? What are you doing with the charge that God has given you? Are you willing to give away your most prized possession, your time? Today, I want to take this challenge just a bit further with this question. What impact are you making on eternity? You see, if you were to leave this world right now, if suddenly your life was to cease to exist, you were to be gone, would there be a void that needed to be filled? Are there lives in heaven today because of the impact that you have made? Oh, pastor, that's not my job. You're the pastor. Really? Really? See, nowhere in the Bible do I see that it's just solely my responsibility. According to the Word of God, my responsibility is to train you and give you the opportunity. Are there lives today that are impacted for all eternity because of the life that you are living, because of what you are doing with this time that God has given you. More specifically, what are you doing with the time and the talent that God has given you? According to our text today, which is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says this, Give away... Your life. Can you read just that portion with me this morning with boldness and passion? Here we go. Give away your life. Wow. That is so counter what our culture would tell you. Our culture is going to look at you and say, don't give the world anything because they don't deserve it. It's all about you. But God says, no, 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 no. Here's what you've got to understand. I gave everything. I sent Jesus to die on the cross because I love this world. So here's what I need you to do. You are my disciple. You are my follower. You are my children. I need you to give yourself away so that others will come to know me. Give your life away. Give away your life. You'll find life given back. How many of you will testify how true that is? Man, when you begin to give yourself away, suddenly you're finding out that there's a refreshing and a renewing that's pouring into you. God's not leaving you dry on the side of the road, but he's filling you up and overflowing in you. 
Not merely given back, but given back with bonus and blessing. Look at your neighbor this morning. Say, do you want a bonus? Then give yourself away. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. So why not begin to invest your life in something that's going to outlast it. Think about that. Why not begin to invest your life? You see, we invest in a lot of things. When I first graduated college and I got my first job, I began to put money into retirement. Now, this is going to date me just a little bit, but in about 2007, something happened to my retirement. Come on, anybody else remember 2007? I think that was about the time. I seem to have lost about everything. I mean, it just barreled downward. Why? Because I was investing in things that were temporary. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do a retirement. You need a retirement because one day we'll all need to retire. But what are you doing with your life? Why not invest in something that's going to outlast it. Every one of us here invest in something. The question is, what are you going to invest in? There are those of you that invest your entire life in your job or that next promotion. If I can just get that promotion, life will be good for me and my family. If I can just reach that next level, everything will be great. I know some of you are Investing in your bank, your wealth, fame, success. Every spare minute of your life is invested in the fact of how do I make that next big buck? How do I close that next deal? How do I accomplish that next achievement in life? There are some of you who act like this life is all that there really is. You say things like, well, I'm going to enjoy my hobby. I'm going to be as comfortable as I can be. I'm going to have as much fun as I can. I'm going to party it up. I'm going to forget about everything else. I'm here to enjoy life. The problem is, these things, they're just temporary. They're just here for a short time. Nothing on this earth is going to last. You get it for maybe 60, 80, if you're lucky, 100 years. But then, it's gone. Cycle just repeats over and over. And that's why Jesus recommends that we begin to invest our life, our time, our most valuable possession in something that will never go bankrupt. He suggests in light of eternity that we store up treasures in heaven. Where does that start? You begin by investing in people. Come on, look at that. 
What do you do with that time? What do you do with that most valuable possession in life? You begin by investing in people and reaching to those around you, those that are broken, those that are hurting, those that are lost. Make an impact for the kingdom of God. God blesses you so that you can be a blessing to other people. I believe that service needs to become and should be a way of life for the Christian. I only got one amen on that. Let me say that again because that really should resonate in the heart of the believer. I believe that an attitude of servanthood, an attitude of service, should be a regular part of the life of a Christian. Not just something we do every other week when our name appears on a schedule, but it should be something that we do every single day, looking for opportunities, looking for ways just to bless those around us. It was Oswald Chambers that once wrote this, my life of service to God is the way I say thank you to him for his inexpressibly wonderful salvation. How many of you are grateful for the salvation that God has given you today? Oswald Chambers says, the greatest way to say thank you is to begin to live a life of service. I'm gonna read to you a section of scripture that that many of you in the room are probably familiar with. But how many of you know, even though we're familiar with it, we need to be reminded from time to time of God's word? Take a look at what it says. Matthew chapter 25. It's called the parable of the three servants. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted, say entrusted, entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Hold on to that. That's so important. How many times do we become jealous of somebody else? Oh, well, I just don't have the qualifications that that person does. Man, they're so good at everything. I can't really do it. No, 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 no. God is dividing according to the ability of those of us that are willing to serve. He knows what you can handle. And guess what? You're going to find out in a moment. As you begin to be faithful in this area, what does God do? He gives you greater responsibility. Now, some of you in the room, that scares you, so you step back right there because you're like, oh, I don't want responsibility. But we are called to be a servant's of all. He says he divided it in proportion according to their ability. And he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest, say invest, began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them together to give an account of how they had used his money. 
The servant who he had given and trusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling small amounts, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver and I invested them and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling a small amount, so now I give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew, I knew that you were a harsh man. You harvest crops you didn't plant. You gather crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. I was afraid I'd lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. You you can imagine he's trying to spin this as positive as possible. He's just watched the man with five bags of silver come with five more. He's just watched the man with two bags of silver come with two more. So here he is with his one bag of silver, and he's like, dusting the dirt off and trying to get all the mud off of this. He's like, "Ha! I knew you. I knew you were harsh. I knew that you'd want us to get more. I was afraid. So I hid your money in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servants. How would you like that response from God? I want you to look at your life right now. I want you to look at what you are doing with the time, the abilities, the giftings that God has given you in life. How would he respond? If you were right now, if he sounded a whistle and we had to line up and give an account for our life, how would you respond? Lord, you gave me five talents. Lord, I've earned five more. You've given me two. Here's two more. God, I've tried this and I've tried that. Here's what I'm bringing back to you. Or, God, I knew that you were harsh. I knew that your level of expectation was was way up here somewhere. I was afraid. So I just kind of took that time and that ability and I hid it over here in the corner. Do you want it back? Hmm. You guys are quiet. You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing 
of teeth. I want to take a moment this morning. I want to look at four observations, four things that we see from this text, from this parable, this story that Jesus is telling. Four things that we can see about service. Number one, God depends on us. Does God have to use us? No. No, honestly, God could accomplish everything by himself. Why? He's God. He could do everything by himself. He could, he could get the good news of Jesus' life or Jesus' sacrifice so we have life change. He can get that news out to everybody. He could take over every radio station, a public service announcement, attention, attention worldwide. Jesus died for you. He could do that. But he chooses to use us. And he gives out to us each according to our ability. Look what's happening here. The master goes away on a trip, and the Bible says this, he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. That word entrusted by definition means this, put something into the hands in someone else's care or protection. Put something in someone else's care or protection. Or the second definition, assign the responsibility for doing something. And isn't that exactly what God has done for us? Jesus said, just as the Father has sent me into the world, so now I send you into the world. I'm giving you a responsibility. I'm giving you the authority. We have been called to be ambassadors, to be representatives of God Almighty to this world. He's entrusted us. He's placed in our possession the opportunity. It's our responsibility to take what he's placed in our hands and begin to invest it. Number two, God's amount is perfect. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. I alluded to it a moment ago, how quick we are to become jealous of someone else because they may have, quote-unquote, a greater ability than we do. Right? Well, I must not be as good as they are. I don't have that. I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, the question is, what, what can't you do? The question is, what can you do? What is that that God has put in your care? What is that that God has placed as your responsibility? You see, here's the deal. I don't have to be concerned about what God's placed in your lap. You don't have to worry about what God's placed in their lap. That's not your job. That's the master's job. The master's the one that calls us together and says, here's what I want you to do, and here's what I want you to do, and here's what I have for you. It's not our responsibility to cross-examine one another. It's our responsibility to apply and invest that which he's placed in our care. 
None of the servants could have come back and said, Master, you gave me too much. I was overwhelmed. I don't have ability. See, the master knew exactly what each one of them was capable of. You're here today and you say, well, Pastor, I don't have anything to offer. I don't have any real talents. I'm too young. I'm too old. Whatever the case may be, my response, my response to you is this. You're mistaken. We all have potential. Something has been placed in each one of our laps. The question is, are you willing to give it to God? Are you willing to make that investment? Are you willing to take what Jesus has proportioned out to you and invest it for the kingdom? For some of you this morning, that may be simply rocking a baby on a Sunday morning, changing a diaper every now and again. That may be working with our youth upstairs on Sunday nights and being a youth sponsor up there and just loving those, those teenagers. Maybe for you, you're passionate about coffee and you want to work in the coffee bar or sound or worship team or a greeter at the door. Maybe you want to be a prayer partner. Maybe, maybe God has been stirring in your heart. This morning when we began talking about the Warrensburg campus, something struck on the inside of you. Maybe you want to go and help launch that campus in just a few months. You want to go help reach a brand new community for Encounter Church and ultimately for the kingdom of God. See, I don't know what that is that God has placed in your lap. All I know is we have a responsibility to respond to him. Whatever it is, each of us have an ability. Are we going to do something with it or not? So you have a couple choices. It's just like our, our three servants, they had choices. What are they going to do with what the master gives them? Well, your first choice is this. Avoid the opportunity in front of you. You can do that. You can say, you know what? I don't really want to rock a baby. I, I don't even like teenagers. I don't like people. I don't want to greet anybody. I don't drink coffee at all. I'm not going to go there. I hate music. I don't want to even participate. I'm just going to come in. I'm going to sit in my little hole every week and just hang out. Praise Jesus. You could. You could avoid all of that. But take a look at this verse. Whose money did he bury? Was it his? But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's Money. Did you know that that ability, that the time that you have in life is not yours? It's his breath in your lungs. Take a look at what happened to this servant. You see, his reason for not doing anything with this ability was fear. 
Fear is, I believe, the number one reason why many Christians fail to succeed in service. Fear of the unknown, fear of what they expect of me, fear of the commitments, fear of the lack of ability, whatever it happens to be. But the Bible says this, Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servants. Fear overwhelmed him. Not the task, not the instruction, but fear. Many of you are like this one servant today. Fear has trapped you. Fear is keeping you from becoming what God's called you to be. Fear is keeping you from being the servant that God wants you to be. Maybe you've just become comfortable where you are. You say, Pastor, I'd like to get involved. I, I want to live the life God has for me. I just don't know how. We're going to talk about that in a moment. You've got to begin to invest that talent. But here's the reality. Jesus set the bar pretty high. He did. He says in Matthew chapter 20, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, if you look back at our story this morning, we quickly see that the second step, the, the poor individual thought it was all about him. Did you know that? He didn't realize or didn't even understand that the purpose was complete obedience to God. So he began to personalize everything. Four times in just two verses, he says, I... I knew you were a harsh man. I was afraid that I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Here's the deal. It's not about us. Did you know that? It's not about us at all. It's about reaching the world for the kingdom of God. It's about sharing that good news with everyone. It's about instilling in that little baby that the love of God is for them. We were never meant to serve alone. We serve to bless others. We serve to follow God's plan to reach beyond ourselves. So if we're not going to dig a hole in the ground, if we're not going to avoid the opportunity, then what do we do? Number four, you begin to make a difference. Begin to make a difference. If I can get a keyboard to set, that would be awesome. The three individuals in our parable each had a choice to make. The one chose to bury the talent in the earth, but two opted for a different direction. Likewise, we have a choice to make. Take a look at this. The servant who had been entrusted with five bags of silver came forward with five more. 
Master, you gave me five bags. I have earned five more. Master, full of praise, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling a small amount, so now I give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. The servant received the two bags, came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I have earned two more. They did something with what God had given them. But I want you to remember our definition of entrust to assign the responsibility for doing something. See, it wasn't enough for these servants just to hold that talent and keep it safe. See, the servant with the one bag, the one talent, he kept it safe. He hid it in the ground. No one found it. But that's not what he was called to do. Is it possible that the one talent servant thought that his one talent wouldn't make a difference? Likewise, every single one of us in the house today, every single one of us watching online today, we have something to offer. The question is, what are we going to do with that? See, we're all part of this body of believers. We all have a responsibility. Are we willing to start? You came in today and maybe you're wondering, why is there a a card on my seat that says, join a serve team? See, that's what we call our volunteers around here. They're not volunteers. You're part of the serve team. You're part of a group of people accomplishing a task grabbing a hold of that responsibility, doing something with what God has called us to do. On the back of the card has a place for your name, your phone number, your email. Then it says which campus, that's exciting. Sedalia or Warrensburg, you can choose which one of those. I have a heart to serve in the following areas. Maybe you have never, ever, ever served in ministry. I've had people walk up and say, Pastor, where do you want me to serve? I'm ready. Just do this. My response is, where's your hearts? What are you passionate about? And just because you do something during the week, we're not going to expect you to do that on the weekend. Maybe you're a teacher during the week, and on the weekend, you don't want to even look at kids. But maybe you say, you know what? No, no, no. I love kids. That's my passion. I want to plug in there. I want to challenge you today. Kids ministry, encounter student ministry, young adult ministry, women's ministry, men's ministry, creative arts, that's worship team, audio, visual, live stream, hospitality, greeters, ushers, coffee bar, outreach events, prayer partners, or other. And I want to encourage you today. Maybe you want to turn this in as you exit. I'm going to have one of our ushers standing in the back door, and he's going to be collecting these as you exit out. Maybe maybe you want to take this this week and say, Lord, I need wisdom. What am I to do with the one talents? What am I to do with the two talents? God, what am I to do with the five talents you've given me? See, we're going to be needing a whole crew of people as we launch a campus. Yes, there's a church there, 
They run about 30 people. There's not a children's ministry really going. There's not a youth ministry going. There's some areas that we've got to beef up. We're going to need some team members that want to jump in there. But you know what? We also need workers here. We're looking for people that are willing and ready to serve for the kingdom of God. So what do you need to do? Sign up today. Number two, look for opportunities. Maybe six months down the road, God lays something upon your heart. Come talk to me. Let's get that rolling. Or just make yourself available. Just say, Lord, here I am. Send me.